General Subject Living in the Kingdom of God as the Realm of the Divine Life Message 1 The Kingdom of God as the Realm of the Divine Life uh, Thank the Lord for gathering us together again. And we believe, as always, the Lord will be with us and the Lord will minister Himself into us and bless our blending in mutuality. Two weeks ago, we had the elders' training in Anaheim. The general subject was the development of the kingdom of God in the Christian life, and in the church life. And I believe it is accurate to say that so many of the brothers, maybe even all the brothers, had the sense this was a very special training. There's something particular, enlightening, touching, penetrating, supplying, equipping in many ways. And so according to the Lord's living within, which living becomes his leading, I selected as the general subject for this conference, living in the kingdom of God as the realm of the divine life. So we will develop this line that was presented to a certain extent two weeks ago. And so we will see when we come to the outline in about 20 or 25 minutes because there's something fresh that needs to flow out. We will see that we're in a realm just as every human being is born into a realm, they don't realize it. Then as they grow, they realize this realm is their family. It's a larger family. It's a society. It's a country. On and on. And this realm, the basic element in this realm, is the divine life. We are human beings but we are living by the divine life in a realm where everything is life. And we're not simply, actually we're not trying to adjust our behavior, behaving in a certain way. We are living in this realm. So there are five matters I want to present to you as a foundation for the four messages. And I'll introduce these five points just by saying this so we're all clear. In the Bible and in reality and practicality, there are two aspects of the kingdom of God. Both are necessary, both are real. The first is God's creation. Everything 
he brought into being that's subject to him in the whole universe. That is the kingdom of God. So the whole universe, our planet, all the nations, all the people, even though most are lawless and rebellious, and we know from the current events of the last few years, the lawlessness is increasing and intensifying. But the fact remains, the heavens rule, God has all the authority, what he created is his kingdom, and he will, in the time designated, make this clear to everyone on the earth. But we will emphasize the other aspect, the kingdom of God, as a realm of life. We may speak, it's quite common to speak of the plant kingdom or the animal kingdom. Well, the plant kingdom is a totality of all the plants and plant life and Whatever plants do, if they do anything, at least they're living there and reproducing. So there's not one plant lording it over the others. It's the whole realm of the plant life. And in order to be in that kingdom, you must be a plant. And so the dear saints last night, they, they brought to our room a basket of fruit, which we very much appreciate, and a wonderful super bouquet of flowers reaped from the plant kingdom. Then the same is true of the animal kingdom. The whole range of all the animals, together in their totality, in all that they do, they're the animal kingdom. Now we come to the human kingdom, it's the same. Decades ago, I acquired a very touching book entitled The Kingdom of Man. And it's filled just with photographs of human beings in, in different kind of situations. Just to give an impression of the scope of human life. And one image just got engraved into me. No doubt it was taken during World War II. The scene is right next to a train. And a soldier in uniform with his rifle in one hand is kneeling down and hugging his little boy, having to say goodbye to him. Only God knows whatever happened to the Father and the Son. So the, the human kingdom, I emphasize again, is the totality of human life with all the activities. Now we come to the kingdom of God and the principle is the same. But we come across something mysterious the kingdom of God is the realm 
of the divine life. But only God has the divine life. So at the beginning, only he is the kingdom. This is a striking thought. The kingdom of God in the way of life is God himself as life. Then it will expand to include all those born of God who have the life and nature of God. There's like a young man as a single person. He's married. The realm enlarges. They have children. The realm enlarges again. So we need to be impressed that the kingdom of God as the realm of the divine life is God himself. So to live in this realm, we must first enter it by another birth. We enter the human kingdom by human birth. We enter the divine kingdom by the divine birth. When we enter the human kingdom, we receive the life and nature of our source, of our parents. In the divine kingdom, we are born of God. That's John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. As many as received him, to, give, to them he gave the authority to become children of God, who were born not of the flesh, not of blood, nor of the will of man, but of God. So this qualifies us to be in this realm. So this is the realm of the divine life that we're talking about. So now, five matters related to the kingdom. And the first is the three stages of the development of the kingdom. When the Lord Jesus came, he came directly into a realm governed by Satan and all of his subordinates. And he came to bring the kingdom of God to the earth. He came as the king. When a Roman ruler, Herod, heard that a king was born, he first pretended, oh, where is he? I'd like to come and worship him. His intention was to murder him. That's the kind of reception he received. And when the Lord intervened and through Joseph led the child and the mother away, then Herod murdered all the little boys two years and under. That is the kind of system he came in as the king. But he also came as the kingdom. I know this may sound striking. But it's based on the word, not our imagination. We don't teach what we imagine. 
In Luke chapter 17, the Lord is being questioned, as he often was, by religious leaders. They wanted to know, give, it, give us a sign of when the kingdom of God is coming. Because they all had the concept that the Messiah would be an emancipator, would be a political leader that would throw off the yoke of the Roman Empire and restore the kingdom of Israel on the earth. That's what they expected. That's what they wanted. They paid no attention to Isaiah 53, that the Messiah will come to claim the earth as the kingdom in his second coming. But in the first, he will come as a man of sorrows to bear our sins on the cross, shed his blood for our redemption. But so they're asking, where's some sign that it's going to happen soon? And then the Lord said this, the kingdom of God does not come by observation. That means the kingdom of God does not come in a visible way. There, there are no signs. I can't give you any signs. There aren't any. It's, it's against the nature of the kingdom to be something empirically tested by the scientists. Then he said, the kingdom of God is among you. Yes, he didn't say, I am the kingdom of God explicitly. But the fact is here, who was among them? The Lord himself, the Lord Jesus, was among them. And he said, the kingdom of God is among you. Because wherever the Lord is, there the kingdom of God is. And just as the kingdom of God is God with his divine life, this divine life is in the Son of God. And when he came, he came for the kingdom. And he came as the kingdom. That was the first stage. The incarnated Son of God coming to the earth as a kingdom to do a work in his ministry, then through his death and resurrection, to expand this kingdom. But I want to go to the third stage for a reason. The third stage of the kingdom is when our Lord Jesus comes back. We know from verses such as John 1.18 and 3.16, that when the Lord came the first time, he came as the only begotten Son, incarnated to be the Son of Man. But Hebrews chapter 1, verse 6 reveals that God will bring his firstborn to the earth, the firstborn Son. That is the Son of God with both humanity and divinity. And he will not come alone. He will come with his overcomers who are his bride 
and his army. And it is the overcomers that will enable this to happen. And the book of Revelation explicitly reveals this. In chapter 12, there's the vision of this universal bright woman bringing forth the man-child, which is the overcomers corporately. And it shows the devil seeking to devour that man-child, but he did not succeed. And then we read this in verse 10 of chapter 12. And these words will happen exactly as they're recorded. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now has come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ, for the accuser of our brothers has been cast down. There will be this declaration. And then we go back one chapter and I do believe Handel, who wrote the Messiah Oratorio, must have been a real believer. And the verse I'm about to read is part of that. Listen to this. Chapter 11, verse 15. And the seventh angel trumpeted, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. This will happen. And it may not be that far in the future when it happens. All the kingdoms of the world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Yemen will be, North Korea will be, Iran will be, the United States will be. Human government will be over. The kingdom of God has come in glorious manifestation. But I deliberately went from the first to the third in order to emphasize the second stage. The Lord Jesus Christ himself, when he began his ministry, preached the kingdom as the gospel. He said the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In Matthew chapters 5 through 7, he spoke concerning the nature of the kingdom, the characteristics of the kingdom. And we're familiar with the blessings in chapter 5, but I'd like to draw your attention to something. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs 
is the kingdom of the heavens. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It's not in the singular. The Lord is not addressing an individually spiritual person, but a group who are in a reality. They are poor in spirit. They are pure in heart. They are peacemakers. They are merciful. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. So it's very clear that there's going to be a development from one person, Christ being the kingdom, to many others being the kingdom. And the Gospel of Matthew is all about this. So the issue of Christ's ministry on the earth, his preaching of the gospel of the kingdom, his teaching concerning the kingdom in all of its aspects, his redemptive and life-releasing death, the issue of this is the second stage of the kingdom of God, and that is the church as defined by the Lord, not as defined by theologians today with the thousands of divisions. The church as defined by the Lord. The church becomes the kingdom in the second stage. The gospel of the kingdom releases the life of the kingdom, eternal life. By this eternal life, we are born of God and enter the kingdom. And then we're baptized to solidify this. We're separated from the other realm. We're transferred into the divine realm. So all of these regenerated believers are in the kingdom of God. Right now, all the real believers all over the earth, wherever they are, they are part of the kingdom of God. We're mindful of them. Our heart includes them. We're not exclusive. But, the, but then in Acts, before the Lord was ascended, ascended. He appeared to the apostles repeatedly over a period of 40 days. And Luke tells us, he spoke to them the things concerning the kingdom of God. That's what he spoke. That's what was on his heart. And he instructed them to preach the gospel of the kingdom throughout the entire inhabited earth, to be his testimony. So when the persecution broke out in chapter 8 of Acts, and believers by the thousands were thrust out of the city, only apostles remained. Then a brother who had been distributing food to widows for the service of a deacon, along with others, 
went to another city, and his function as an evangelist was manifested. And he preached Jesus and the kingdom as the gospel, and joy was brought to the whole city. And then as we read through the epistles, we realize that actually the gospel of the kingdom with the life of the kingdom released brings forth the church as the kingdom of God in reality and practicality. The Lord Jesus spoke twice concerning the church recorded in Matthew. Each time he linked the church with the kingdom. In chapter 16, after Peter received the revelation concerning Christ, the Lord said on this rock, this revelation, I will build my church. The gates of Hades will not prevail. I give to you the keys of the kingdom. In chapter 18, the Lord does not talk about, quote, my church. He speaks of the church. This is the Lord Jesus. Will we take all the words of the Lord Jesus as decisive? Not 19 centuries of tradition, but what the Lord himself said. So he tells us that there's a brother, either he offended someone or he is in a fallen condition. And one brother goes to him, one-on-one, -on -one, to gain him, to just share with him his concern. The brother listens to him. You have gained your brother. That's the spirit of it. Not to judge him. To gain him. To go to him. As a shepherd seeking the lost sheep. To gain him. But if he doesn't listen to you, then try again with one or two others to be witnesses. And if he doesn't listen to the three of you, tell it to the church. That's what he said, the church. And then he says, if he does not listen to the church, he's not excommunicated, but you can't relate to him in the way of fellowship, just like a common person. Then the Lord goes on to speak about two or three being gathered together into his name. He's in their midst. And he says, I have given to you the keys of the kingdom of the heavens to bind and loose. Again, the Lord himself connects the kingdom and the church. In Romans chapter 14, Paul is now in the section of the body life, and the church life. And in verse 17, he speaks of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. He didn't say it will be. He said it is. Then the apostle John on the island of Patmos sent there as a punishment a very unpleasant place 
after he received the instruction to record the visions and to write them in a scroll and send it to the seven churches, he did so. Then how did he identify himself? He didn't say, John, the remaining apostle, the one whom the Lord, to whom the Lord said, this one, or about whom the Lord said, he may not die. He said, John, your brother and companion in the tribulation, in the endurance, and in the kingdom in Jesus. So this indicates John, although physically in isolation, had the consciousness that he was the companion of all the saints and all the churches. We are in the kingdom. We're suffering together. We're enduring together. We're in the kingdom together. So the gospel of the kingdom produces the church. Then the church is the kingdom in this age in practicality and in reality. Now we come to the turning point. The church produced by the kingdom and that is the kingdom has a tremendous responsibility. It's awesome. Its significance is beyond our ability to fully grasp. What's that responsibility? It is to bring in the kingdom of God in the third stage. To bring it in. And the Lord's teaching in Matthew 6 makes this very clear when he said, pray, your kingdom come. He's praying to the same group of believers he addressed in the previous chapter. You need to pray for this. And we won't go into this now, but the Lord knew and the apostles knew and we're learning this kind of prayer is the prayer of warfare, the prayer of authority. The church must pray this kind of prayer. And then those in the church need to be living the kingdom life in their actual practical church life. And you read Romans 12 and 14 in the light of Matthew 5, you will see many parallels. What the Lord taught in Matthew is now being applied here. Now here's the situation. What the enemy knows, I have no way of knowing. He knows more than we do about certain things, but... He's not a little God who knows everything. But he's aware of how crucial the genuine church is. So he will attack. The Lord said, the gates of Hades 
will not prevail. That indicates they will attack. Death in every possible way will attack. And we know from the parables in Matthew 13 that in addition to attacking through persecution, the enemy would have the strategy of corrupting, of mixing, of changing the nature of the genuine church established by Christ into a gigantic world system. And that was prophesied in Revelation 2 and 3. First, it will become a mixture. Then it will become Thyatira. And over the fast, last 500 years, the Lord has been gradually recovering essential truths and experiences, step by step, starting with Luther. When he reached the point of recovering the church life established by Christ, he could not get through in the United States, and he could not get through in Europe, but he knew he would get through in China. So that's where he went. Virgin soil. And gained the best of that whole huge country. Brother Nee, perfected by Sister Barber, who sowed herself as a grain of wheat into the soil. And the Lord recovered the vision of the body of Christ, and the practice of the genuine local church. He recovered the vision of, the, of my church and the practice of the church. So now we are, by the Lord's mercy, his sovereign mercy and grace to us. It's his mercy that he brought us here. It's his mercy that we're still here. And I pray for his mercy. Lord, please give me this particular mercy to be faithful to the end. Amen. So here's the situation. The governing thought. The local churches may either enable the kingdom of God to come in the third stage or we, the churches, may hinder this from coming. Actually, hinder it. We may meet on the ground of oneness, standing for the oneness of the body of Christ, and without realizing it. We would never do this deliberately. We love the Lord. We gave ourselves to the Lord. We love the church. We love the believers. All that are here and anyone who comes. That's the first thing you'll meet, is the love of the brothers. No question, no interrogating, no skepticism. The Lord has received us, we receive you. But it is, it is an actuality, according to the actual condition, to a very significant degree, we are still hindering the Lord from bringing in the kingdom. We want to make a 180-degree turn. 
to be enlightened by him, shepherded by him, healed by him, loved by him, blessed by him, to receive his full ministry under the light that we will no longer hinder. Nothing in our church life will hinder the coming of the kingdom. Rather, every aspect of the church life will facilitate this, will open the way for this. That is the heart of the burden of this conference. We're living the kingdom in the kingdom of God as the realm of the divine life. Now I can mention the other four points and then we'll go through the outline. There will be ample time for you not only to respond, I really mean this, your speaking will complete the message. Okay? I can't give the whole message. I'm just one member. The message comes from the body, through the body. We're in this together. Okay, the second point, we've more or less, of it, we have established already, but I just make it explicit. The kingdom is not only a realm, it's a person. And to seek the kingdom is to seek this person who is the king, who is the life of the kingdom, and who is the kingdom. And then the third point is based on two verses in Revelation. Chapter 1, verse, verses 5 and 6. Verses 4 through 6 are about the divine trinity as revealed in Revelation. Verse 5 says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has released us from our sins, and listen to this, and made us a kingdom, made us a kingdom. In John 3, he spoke of entering the kingdom. Now, there's the revelation. You're not only in it, you are it. And then chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. This is part of the worship recorded here. Chapter 5. And they sing a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have purchased for God by your blood men out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. This is the universality of God's salvation, and the breadth of God's heart. The Lord shed his blood to redeem human beings from throughout the earth, every nation, every race, every social class, every nationality, without preference. God is no respecter of persons. 
He's aware of how much damage the enemy has done, how much hostility, how much hatred he has sown among the human race. But the Lord in his redemptive death terminated all of that, tore down the wall of separation. Then he redeemed believers from all over the earth. We had a fresh impression concerning this. Six months ago in Addis Ababa, in Ethiopia. And this is very much a burden in me. And it came out particularly on the Lord's Day morning. That here we are in the largest continent on the earth. I hate the expression, dark Africa, as if Europe isn't dark, if the U.S. isn't dark. Huge. And we had the sense, the fact that we went to Ethiopia, you just watch what the Lord is going to do in Africa right now and in the near future. In all those countries, out of every tribe, every nation, all brought together, and verse 10 says, and, has, and have made them a kingdom, made them a kingdom. For this to be worked out, I realize to some extent, I say to some extent because I can't claim to fully understand the afflictions and sufferings of any who have been marginalized. I can't claim that. But what will happen is that there's going to be a governing vision of this realm of oneness, the reality of the kingdom of God, the scope of the gospel of the kingdom, the broadness of God's heart, God so loved the world that one by one people will no longer be held by their culture, by their social class, by their race, by their skin color, all that had defined them up until now is still here. It should all be affirmed. We affirm it all. We don't negate it all. But we all transcend it. We're coming to something higher than that. Something the United Nations could never do. They can only foster the hostility. At least that's my feeling. But the Lord will have, he's going to compose a kingdom of human beings from all over the earth. What a glory to God and what a shame to the enemy. I asked one of our Greek experts, because my knowledge of Greek is fading. started studying it in 1958, so what can I remember? It stopped in 1964, okay. I said, Roger, what is the Greek verb for make? And he wrote me something, faithful brother. He said, it's the word poieo, which means to make something or produce something out of what already exists. God could create out of nothing. But the Lord made us a kingdom and what already exists is us. 
who once were sinners, but he loved us, he released us from our sins, he redeemed us by his blood, he regenerated with his life, and look, the kingdom is God, the kingdom is Christ, to be made the kingdom, we have to be one with God and Christ, get ready, we even have to be the increase of God and Christ. It's not merely that we are in this realm. We are this realm. Then two other matters. The fourth concerns intrinsically in the being of God. What is happening as we live in this realm? We go back to the prayer recorded in Matthew 6. Your kingdom come. What's next? Your will be done. As in heaven, so on earth. God's will is what he wants. And the Lord knew it's not done on earth. There's just incredible Rebellion. This will need to be addressed in the upcoming training on authority and rebellion. Because some don't realize the sovereign Lord is over all, over all the elections, over the economy, over the world situation. If we evaluate something according to our politics, we're in darkness. That's why I left all the parties. I'm now part of the theocratic party. I just vote for God. God's will and God's kingdom. So God's will is what is in his heart, what he wants to do. And today... I learned something by rereading a book by Brother Nee as a learner from him. Messages he gave in 1948-1949 when I was a little boy in school. He was carrying out the training in Kuling. And he said there's a difference between God's command through his word and his will. God commands by speaking. And we should obey his word. But God's will is what's in his heart. And God makes his will known, not by outward speaking, but by causing us to sense what's in his heart. He doesn't have to say anything. Okay, right now, I'm lifting my right arm. I don't have to speak to my right arm. I don't say, right arm, get ready. You're about to change position from the side to be straight up, vertical. So here you are. No. I just decide, and it happens. Every part of my body is subject to my will, providing the body is healthy. That's the church as the kingdom. That we learn to live in such a way. Okay, we learn this. 
Not only, oh, Lord, I want a word from you. Just please give me a word so I know what to do. And he may not give you a word. And you've got to make a decision. What he wants is not to give you a word, but for you to open your heart and touch what's in his heart. And let that be in your heart. You just know. I just know the Lord wants this. I just know. If others understand, they understand. If they don't, they don't. There's no, no point in trying to explain to the, uh, the second and to the first. You don't have to say anything. You just know. By your contacting with the Lord, the kingdom is a realm where whatever is in God's heart is carried out. I'm going to take a little risk. But I don't do that out of human daring or audacity. I do it according to the inner sense. I believe, as your brother, that God wants to reestablish the genuine church in Cleveland, Ohio. I believe he does. How he'll do it, when he will do it, we don't know yet. Isn't it in your heart? Isn't it in the heart of so many? Not to win in any kind of controversy, not to see anyone defeated except the devil. We'd like to see him crushed under the feet of the church in Cleveland. And then the fifth thing is, again, back to the Lord's teaching. We're again in Matthew 6, and he's talking about anxiety. The anxiety of having what you need to stay alive. And he realizes the whole human race, they're anxious. And he says, Don't, no one takes your light, a, light, a lamp, and puts it under a bushel. And he used the word for bushel to indicate a measure in commerce for measuring out grain or whatever. And he says, the Gentiles, they're all worried. They're all worried. What will we eat? What will we wear? It's endless. Now he's ministering to us the kingdom life. He said, the Father knows what you need. And I insert here, this may sound mysterious, we need to learn when to call on the Lord. And we need to learn when to pray to the Father. The Lord said, the Father knows. And I've been slowly learning this. Father, you know where I am. You know what I need. You know what I need humanly. When I was a widower, you knew what I need. If I have a health issue, you know what I need. If there's a financial challenge, you know what I need. Father, you know. And you will provide. So I will absorb this word. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. And this is in my heart first. 
that I would receive the mercy to be faithful. And of course, it's in my heart for the whole body. But please, those from the middle 20s and younger, let me say this. It's especially in my heart concerning you and your youth with your life ahead of you, with important decisions to make about school, about a job, about a relationship, about whether or not you'll go to FTTA. I just long for the feeling beyond utterance. If it were fitting, I would just weep for you. Seek first the kingdom of God. First. Seek is active. And first is first. School is not first. Job is not first. Money is not first. Marriage is not first. The training is not first. Our health is not first. A career is not first. The kingdom is first. So now we can go through the outline as we enter into the kingdom of God as the realm of the divine life. But I felt to take all this time, this is not an opening word, this is the word. Now I'm giving a strengthening part. Because although I prepared the outline, I, I believe I had the Lord's anointing to do that. We'll cover it. But when it comes to the meeting, I'm not governed by this. The heavens rule, the spirit rules. Lord, what do you want to say right here and right now? That has to be first. But I believe the outline will be some help. The kingdom of God is God himself. I think I opened the way a little bit with that. God's kingdom has God as its content. God himself is everything as the content of his kingdom. He was the only one in the kingdom of God. It's like there's just one plant, one rose bush, one big cactus, and that's it. We have to see God, God is the content. God is the life. God is the nature of his kingdom. Be God's reign in us is a matter of the innate ability of the divine life. And I'm not talking down, but some may, English is a second language. You may not know the meaning of innate. That means it's <clears throat> part of it by nature. It's just part of its essence. It's born this way. And so the divine life spontaneously rules. And we'll see, Lord willing, tomorrow night and later, the life rules by flowing and shining. Revelation 22, you have the throne of God and the Lamb. And what? And the river flows. And we have a hymn. Rivers of living water, 
fellowship freely bestows, bringing authority with it to every place where it goes. So you just let the divine life flow. It will rule. I think we all have tried to rule over certain aspects of our being which trouble us. And we usually fail, but if we succeed, that is really bad. Because then we are building up a stronger self. You have a little victory. Okay, the driver cut me off, and I had no reaction this time. Nothing verbally, didn't honk, didn't tailgate, <clears throat> didn't gesticulate, didn't say things. Yeah, but you did it out of yourself. Instead of you're one with the Lord, he's flowing in you. And it's the divine life that rules. So that's the nature in all of us. The divine life rules. That's why in the genuine church life, there's nothing authoritarian. I remember, I don't know how many years ago, I received a phone call from a brother in Toronto who had been in the league. And I knew exactly what he's talking about. He said, brother, <clears throat> we have had our hide, our skin, ripped off by a certain one. Like he's whipping us, beating us, claiming authority. There's no such thing in the kingdom of God. It's the life that rules. If a brother represents God and you sense authority is there, it's, it's not him. It's not the person. It's the divine life flowing from the person. Paul learned this right in the beginning. He asked the Lord, first, who are you? The Lord said, I am Jesus. Then he asked, what should I do, Lord? The Lord wouldn't answer. He said, go into the city and it will be told you and the Lord went to a little brother named Ananias. said, I'm sending you on a trip. Where? To see Saul. No way. He's trying to kill us. <laughs> then the Lord said, he's a chosen vessel. He'll bear my name. So he went. And he called him Brother Paul. And he instructed him. You need to rise up and be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord. Don't be silent. You were trying to bind all those who call. Now, as you're standing in the water and we're putting you in, call on the Lord. And when we raise you up, call on the Lord. This is a direction from the life in this brother. If we see this, we will honor and respect every member, every member of the body. Brother Lee was never authoritarian. He never controlled. It's the life that rules. And when someone claims this is mine, this is my work, this is my territory, you realize something's off. No. It's all the Lord's. And when the life is there flowing, no one has to say anything. You'll recognize the real thing. And so the life in us is going to rule. 
So the more we grow, we'll see this tomorrow morning, the more the kingdom increases in us, and our mind, will, and emotion, even eventually our body will be under the rule of the divine life. How sweet. The life of God is the kingdom of God. And also our entrance into the kingdom of God, we must see this basic principle. You don't apply for a visa. You can't come in illegally. <clears throat> I mean, uh, the barrier is insurmountable. You, you, just, you just have to be born of God. There's no other way. Because this is the kingdom you're meeting, authority. So just be simple. I don't care. You could be a Nobel Prize winner. Probably this woman who wrote this column I read decades ago, Ask Marilyn, Marilyn Vassavant. She had the highest IQ on record. And it's good for us men that it's a woman who had the highest IQ. <clears throat> good to be humbled like that. I don't know how she ended her life. I don't care how smart you are, how rich you are, how strong you are. You got to be simple as a child, believe in the Lord Jesus, call on his name, and be born of God, and enter the kingdom, just like the rest of us. D, the nature of the kingdom of God is divine because it is the kingdom of God. E says, the Lord Jesus said, the kingdom of God is has drawn near. To proclaim that the kingdom of God has drawn near is to declare that God himself has drawn near and that we should get ready to receive God into us. The recent itero, if you say itero, we can still have fellowship. Okay. I say itero, you say itero, but we receive all believers with all pronunciations. Even if they're wrong, we receive them. Okay. But the last message was a powerful end to the training on proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and discipling the nations. So just consider this. Wherever you go Monday morning, you go to school, you go to work. If you're a pneumatic mom who's at home doing 24-7 with the family, wherever you go, wherever you go, the kingdom of God goes. That's quite a realization. Where you are, the kingdom of God is because the kingdom is in you and you're in the kingdom, and you're part of the kingdom, I don't think you should say someone at coffee break, do you know what's going on right now? The kingdom of God is here, because I'm here. But you can pray, because we need to recover this. Repent. Change your mind, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In Acts 17, Paul said, God requires everyone, everywhere, to repent. 
I'm not saying you get a sign and stand at a bus station saying repent. But our gospel needs to be uplifted, so it has this effect. We don't just say, call Lord Jesus two times and that's it. We need to pray for the gift of repentance, that their mind will be changed. Okay, two. The kingdom of God is the realm of the divine life. Okay. For this life to move and govern so that life may accomplish its purpose. So one, one indicator that something is living and not non-living, I wouldn't say dead, but non-living, is that it grows, it reproduces, it responds, and it moves, and it moves. So this life wants to move in us, to move. Mainly like a river, it moves. And we need to learn to live as open vessels to the Lord and just let the Lord move. Some, it may move in a particular way when we're having a time with the Lord in the morning. But often this life moves for some reason while I'm in the shower. It's just, I'm just there for a few minutes and there's something moving within. And I got, I've got to make note of this right away or at any other time. We just need to let the life move in us. Move it into our mind. Don't close your mind. Let the river flow. It needs to move into our emotion, or to our will, to our whole heart. Then as it moves, it governs. So when it governs, it will subdue us and bring peace. But that's not the goal. The goal isn't, okay, I'm out to subdue you. That's it. No. You have move, govern, that life may accomplish its purpose. So with every one of you, with every one of us, the divine life wants to accomplish God's purpose as it involves you. 2 Timothy 1.9 tells us clearly, God saved us according not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose. So if you are a believer, you can confess Jesus is Lord, Jesus is the Son of God, you are born of God, then there's something God wants to accomplish in you, with you, and through you for God's purpose. And no one in the universe can be the channel for this other than you. That's why I encourage the trainees when I give them a time to share something in class. I tell them, and they may stand up a few dozen at a time, waiting their chance to speak. 
I say, if someone shares the same point that you have, please don't be bothered. They may share the same point, but only you have your portion. No one, no one else. And, and it's so delightful to see this in a person. This morning, my wife and I were able to go to what the, 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 that lounge for breakfast. And the lady there, middle-aged woman, when she stopped by our table, I got her attention. I said, you are blessed. You are blessed because Christ is living in you. He's shining out of you. And she said, yes. Okay? And I hope it's okay. I hope it's okay. There was no purpose here. She was a middle-aged African-American woman. I just saw the Lord shining in her. And I just responded. And she said, yes. I let him live in me. So he will shine out. She will flow. He will flow. I said, yes. She's a member of the body. We don't recruit people for the church. We don't proselytize. We don't make the church an issue. Let the Lord, the shepherd, lead the sheep where he wants them. But this just shows we just treasure the believers, whomever we meet. Because this sister has a portion that no one else has. She was saved for God's purpose. And when given the opportunity, we don't want to lecture anyone, but just to share with them the purpose for which we were saved and the life in you starting at an early age. I was saved just before I was 16. About two months later, the Lord began to speak in me. I was only 16. Ron, I want you to be a minister. Every, day, every evening for 30, throughout the month of October. So for the first half of the month, he said just this inwardly. I said, I can't. Next night. Ron, I want you to be a minister. I can't. Then something happened <clears throat> that even though I was 16, I had to speak on what was Sunday morning to the whole little Presbyterian church, and we all realized something happened. So when the word came that night, Ron, I want you to be a minister, I couldn't say I can't, so I said I won't. Because <laughs> okay. I had the concept, this is a clergyman, you go to seminary, you're a reverend, you're ordained, all of this. And it just went that way until the end. I just said, yes, okay, this is you, I agree. Then there was a, a nine-year period of time, had to go through high school, university, seminary, then two years of detoxification in the spiritual wilderness to prepare me to meet the little man from Chifu and all the saints and just be a brother. This is very personal. You were chosen to be holy in eternity past. You were predestinated unto sonship. You were foreknown. You, you were created for a purpose. The Lord has been guiding you your whole life. No one can replace your portion. No one. 
Not the Apostle Paul, not Watchman Nee, not any co-worker, no one. And I believe the trainees are getting encouraged. You're just, just share your portion. English is a second language. Please don't worry about perfect grammar or the accent. We just treasure your portion. So this divine life moves, reigns, so that you will accomplish. See, in about 10 minutes, there'll be some microphones, and we'll have maybe 25 minutes for many to share between 30 and 40 seconds. Who shares? That depends upon the moving, reigning, accomplishing life. And I hope that all of us, we would live the kingdom life in this meeting, wherever you are, way back in the corner, in the middle of a section. Just let the life move. Then it has to rain, because there may be <clears throat> kind of a struggle within. and Ooh, because one of the most common fears is speaking in public. But we hope, this is what I mean, you will finish the message. Okay, then we can go on. B, okay, A, the kingdom of God is an organism constituted with God's life as the realm of life for his ruling in which he reigns by his life and expresses himself as the divine trinity in the divine life. So he is expressed. The glory goes with the kingdom. He, he wants to express himself, but there has to be a realm where he can shine out. Be the kingdom of God in Christ. Is God in Christ as the totality of life with all its activities. And this life is active. This word vital is an important term in our spiritual vocabulary. I treasure Brother Lee's definition. To be vital is to be living and active in our spirit. I am much more active now at my age than I was 40 or 50 years ago. Physically, I'm not as active. I now know why there are banisters on stairways. <clears throat> Some of you have no idea why it's there. You don't need it. You just got the energy to go up and down. I, I just want to be careful that I don't have any kind of fall so I can be less energetic. But, oh, the spirit is more active, more vital than ever before. Oh, the more mature we get, the older we get, the more inwardly active we will be. Some of you sisters, you know you're like this. You have all kinds of feeling. You're doing the dishes, you pray. You're ironing, you pray. You're at a red light, you pray. You have a feeling to contact someone, you contact them. You send them a text, you send them an email. All of this is the activity of the divine life. See, the unique way to enter into the kingdom of God is to receive God as life and gain God himself. This is regeneration. 
The kingdom of God is a divine realm to be entered into, a realm which requires the divine life. Hence, for us to see or enter into the kingdom of God requires regeneration. When I was six years old, my father took me to Sunday school to the Finnish Apostolic Lutheran Church. When I was 14, I went to the communion class every Saturday for several weeks. Then we went to the altar. We had we passed the tests, the questions and answers from the minister. Then we went and kneeled down, and we had our first participation in the communion, that was called. I, I answered all the questions. I just wasn't saved. I wasn't regenerated. I was somewhat religious, interested in religious things, but I was not regenerated. How wonderful to be born again. I know we want our contacts for the gospel to come into the, the church life, but brothers and sisters, it's a wonderful thing to help another person get born of God. That, that's, that, that will last for eternity. Two, because through regeneration we receive the divine life, <clears throat> the life of God, regeneration is the unique entrance into the kingdom. We have been born into the kingdom of God, and now the divine life in our spirit knows the kingdom of God. So the divine life in our spirit knows where we are all the time. And this divine life is not evaluating by right or wrong. Ron, you're right. Be at peace. You're wrong. Be troubled. This divine life in my spirit is concerned with one matter. Where are you? Where are you right now? While you're driving, where are you? Not, he is wrong to cut in front of you and then turn right. And you are right to be a law-abiding driver. You're both outside the kingdom of God. And so the Lord is not in us with an iron rod ready to strike us every time we stray. The life is indicating, come back, come back. Turn back. And we always do, right? We always do. The life just draws us back, whether we're down, whether we had a big failure, whether we, whatever it is, we come back because the life in our spirit knows. Then the last section is a, a mysterious word about the realm we are in. The kingdom of God is the realm of the divine life is the realm of the divine species in which are all the divine things. Well, to enter into the kingdom of human beings, you're the same species as everybody else, right? I realize, I don't know botany or zoology or anything. There are different species of plants and animals, but the principle is, if you have the life of that realm, you're that species. 
So we are in the realm of the divine species. We have been born of God. We are now part of the kingdom of God. And we are in what we call the divine and mystical realm. All the divine things are here. God became man to enter into the human species. He became a man, a real human being, to be our savior. And man becomes God in life and nature, but not in the Godhead, to enter into the divine species. See, all of you that are parents, your children have the same life and nature as you. Here's my brother, Tom Wolf. You have three or four? Four now. Four now. Four now. Okay. They all have Brother Tom's and his wife's life and nature. But they don't have his fatherhood. They can't have his fatherhood. So God has his Godhead, his Godhood. We can never have that. But is he our father or is he not our father? He is our father. We have been born of him. So we are the same species in the sense of having the same life and nature. We really are children of God. To enter into the divine realm, the realm of the divine species, we need to be born of God to have the divine life and nature. It's good to have a fresh Realization of this. You have the divine life and nature. Just realize. Once I just had the created human nature and the sinful nature in me. Just like you. Then we believed, we were regenerated, and now we have another life in us. Oh, have we ever complicated? Three lives... We can just kind of move around in any given day. We're here, we're there, we're here. Now we're back here, now we're there again. You have the life and nature of God permanently in your regenerated spirit. And I realize some theologians, especially the Calvinists, they're so doctrinal, they're so systematic. They don't like this, they don't agree with this. And it's pointless to argue with theologians like this, I would just say, uh, you may not agree with us today, but a day is coming. And during that day, you will change your mind. And that day is the one day of the thousand-year kingdom. Somewhere, it may take half, half the way through, you will call Lord Jesus, You will realize you're born of God and you will repent of fighting against the truth that we have the life and nature of God. Then when we meet you, it can't be in the new it can't be in the the kingdom. We hope to be there, but we're not sure. We'll see you in the new heaven in the new earth, and we won't say, I told you so. That kind of attitude is not in the kingdom. We just say, praise the Lord, brother. Praise the Lord. Now we're all mature in divine life. We're built up together. We're part of the eternal marriage. Wonderful. 
We were regenerated of God to be the species of God and enter into the kingdom of God. Our second birth caused us to enter into the kingdom of God to become the species of God. Now we are God-men in the divine species that is in the kingdom of God. So I think it would be profitable if those so inclined just pray for 30 or 40 seconds with someone nearby and then the microphones will be somewhere and then you just follow the Lord's leading to testify and to complete the message. Release the portion that only you have. Okay.